This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you that are watching today, especially if this may be the very first time you've seen our telecast. We hope that you'll stay tuned today. We're dedicated to the preaching of the gospel of Christ, and, and that alone we hope that you will uh, profit from the lesson we have today. We're going to be speaking on a passage from the Old Testament that, of course, has an application for man today, putting life in focus. I think that's one of the most difficult things to do, is really get life in focus. We want you to stay tuned as we discuss that. Now today on our telecast, we're offering a free Bible correspondence course. I'd like to emphasize that it is free. We want you to have it, and we're going to pause for just a moment so you can learn more about the course, so you can learn how to receive it. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I'll be reading now from the 90th Psalm, beginning with verse 1. Lord, Thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, forever Thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting Thou art God. Thou turnest man to destruction and sayest, Return, ye children of men. For a thousand years in Thy sight are but as yesterday when it is past, and as a watch in the night. Thou carest them away as with a flood, they are, are as asleep. In the morning they are like grass which groweth up. In the morning it flourisheth, and groweth up. In the evening it is cut down and withereth. For we are consumed by thine anger, and by thy wrath are we troubled. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins, in the light of thy countenance. Well, all our days are passed away, and thy wrath we spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are threescore years and ten. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet as their strength, labor, and sorrow for it is soon cut off, and we fly away. Who knoweth the power of thine anger? Even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. So teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. It is a good thing to stop frequently and take a two-fold look. Look number one, where have I been with my life? 
and look number two, where am I going? It, it goes without saying. To, to end right, you must start right. You, you cannot be on the wrong road and reach the right destination. But, but on the other hand, you can be on the right road and fail to reach your destination because of some faulty choices that you make along the way. Any time is a good time to get our life into focus. That is, to be on the right road, the right course. To get our lives into focus, we learn some things from the 90th Psalm that we need to recognize. First of all, we need to recognize, that is, if we're going to get our lives in focus, that God is eternal. Notice in the first two verses, he said, you've been our dwelling place in all generations, even before the mountains were brought forth or even before you formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. So there are two things here that we know. First of all, we need to recognize that God is, that God exists. He begins this chapter with the one word, Lord. We need to recognize there is a God in heaven. And the second thing that we recognize is that God is eternal. Here the, the Moses who wrote the 90th Psalm said that he is from everlasting to everlasting. Well, how long is everlasting? You could say it's from infinity to infinity. You may as well try to find the cradle of God as to find the beginning of God. And you may as well try to find the tomb of God as to find the end of God. He has always been. He has always existed. There is no beginning and there is no end with God. He is the eternal one. He is the God who is the uncaused cause. You know, for everything that exists in the world, there's something that caused it to be, but not God. He is the original cause. He has always been. And He is the one who is our dwelling place, verse 1. That is, He is our refuge. And as our refuge, we can lean on those everlasting arms, Deuteronomy 33, verse 27. He is our refuge when your world seems to be falling apart. And I'm sure I'm speaking to someone right now who is in a situation like that. He, he is our refuge, our dwelling place when the sky begins to turn dark in your life. He, he is our refuge when your heart is bowed down in grief and in sorrow. He is our refuge when we're stricken down with a serious illness. He is our refuge when our dreams are shattered.
Lord, you've been our dwelling place in all generations. I will never have my life in focus. I will never be on the right track in life until I understand verses 1 and 2 of the 90th Psalm. God is eternal. Something else from this psalm that I need to recognize is that time is insignificant with God. The fourth verse says, A, a thousand years in thy, in thy sight are but as yesterday when it is past and as a watch in the night. Time is, it is insignificant with God. You know, we calculate our time in seconds and in minutes and hours and days and weeks and years and and. We, we in, in centuries, millenniums, but God doesn't calculate time like that. I know that as I'm preaching this sermon to you right now that I have a certain amount of time that I can speak to you today. But you see, God doesn't calculate time like we do. Inasmuch as God inhabits eternity, Isaiah 57, 15, we would not expect God to count time like we do. means nothing to God. God doesn't have a Rolex and he doesn't have a Timex because he does not do things according to the clock or according to the calendar. But something else I need to recognize if I'm really going to get my life in focus is that our lives are transparent before God. Now, verse 8 says, Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. That might make some of us feel a little uncomfortable when we think about that, that, that our lives are transparent before God. Today, when you fly on the airplane, your life becomes transparent to the TSA. I've got a couple of places this year that I will fly in preaching in revivals and gospel meetings, Michigan, Missouri, and some other places. And I'm not really looking forward to the transparency when I have to go to the airport. But that's nothing compared to the way that our lives are transparent to God. That there isn't anything about our lives that God doesn't know right now. Oh, we may try to conceal certain things from certain people, and, and a man may be having an affair, and he tries to keep that from his wife. And, but I want you to know, God knows. God knows. You see, you're life is transparent to God Almighty. God knows your thoughts. He knows what you're thinking now. He knows what I'm thinking. He knows what I've thought. He knows what you've thought. God knows not only our thoughts, He knows our hearts. In Acts 1.24, He's described as the searcher of hearts. We have a tendency to judge people by the way they look on the outside. But we're reminded in 1 Samuel 16 and 7 that God doesn't look at the outward appearance that God looks at the heart. You see, God knows our hearts. And He also knows our words. 
He, he knows what we are saying at every minute of the day. That's very sobering, isn't it? He knows when someone invokes his name in vain. And so that's a very sobering thing. He, he also not only knows our words, he knows our whereabouts. He knows where you are. Others may not know where you are, but God knows exactly where you are. Several, two, three, four years ago, my children gave me a, a GPS. And that thing has proven to be very valuable to me. I think that's what you call it. Put it in your car. Tell it where you want to go. It'll take you right where you want to go. Well, God doesn't have one of those instruments. He is the original GPS. He knows your whereabouts. God knows our strengths. He knows our weaknesses. And I'm thankful to know that God is merciful to me in my weaknesses. According to the 139th Psalm in verse 15, he knows my frame. Even before I was born, he knew my frame. You say, well, what in the world is that? Your skeleton. He knew how you were put together. And also God knows us in our mother's womb. He knew us when we're simply an embryo. Psalms 139. And verse 16, oh, I can't imagine an individual having to get account, given an account to God on the day of judgment who took the life of a child when it was still within its mother's womb. But according to Psalms 139 and verse 12, God knows us in the dark. Sometimes we think we can hide things in the darkness, you know. But what you really are is what you do in the dark when no one's looking. But someone that is looking in those times when we feel we are concealed is God Almighty. Now when I stop and I calculate this in my brain, and I try to process it, and I realize that my life is transparent before God, that helps me, that really helps me with my life in focus. I remember a number of years ago when I first started preaching, the rage then among preachers was using an overhead projector. And if there's some preacher you, watching today that at one time used one of those, and maybe there's some school teachers watching that have used them in their classrooms, and I don't know whether they use them anymore. And in the Christian school that we have here in Somerdale, uh, uh, we have smart boards, and they're just too smart for me. I can't use them. There's nothing in the world but a computer on the wall. And, but we used uh, the overhead projector, and it took me a little while to learn how to use it. You know, I wasn't accustomed to things of that sort, but it was relatively simple. You get you a, a clear sheet of acetate that's about eight and a half by 11 in, in, in size, and you could just draw on that whatever you wanted. You lay that down on top of the of the overhead projector, and it, it, it would throw it up on the wall. And I found out when I had to go buy a package of those sheets that they were called transparencies. 
transparencies. My life is a transparency to God. There isn't anything about my life that he does not know. That helps me put it in focus. Now, another thing we learn, and this is in verses 9 and 10, that helps me put my life in focus. Life is brief. It's brief. Let, let's look at it again. We spend our years as a tale that is told. And then he says in verse 10, the days of our years are three score years and ten, seventy years. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, eighty years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow. Why is it? For they're just soon cut off and, and we fly away. The oldest man on record is a man by the name of Methuselah. According to the Bible, he lived 969 years. But the fact is, that's just about all we know about Methuselah. That's his uh, claim to fame. He's the oldest man there is in the Bible. The, the 90th Psalm says all we're really promised is about 70 years. And... If by reason of strength, by good health and taking care of yourself and the like, you might even live to be 80 years old. People are living longer today. I think there are reasons for that. I think one of the reasons is advancement in medicine, techniques to help us to live longer, things that can improve our lives, give us better quality of life and such like. I can only imagine what my life would be right now if someone had not perfected open-heart surgery. I can't imagine what my life would be right now if someone had not perfected total hip replacement, or if I had two of those as well. <laughs> I can't imagine what, what my life would be like if someone had not invented a total knee replacement. You see, I've had one of those too. And I can't imagine how I'd preach today if someone had not perfected the removal of cataracts from your eyes. Yes, I've had that too. You see, I think that's one of the reasons we're living longer is because so many things that those in the medical field and in research have done to help us live longer. I dare say that you know people now that are 90 years old. You might know of someone right now who's, who is 100 years old. I do, and I'm sure that you do as well. But if we should live to be 150 years old, that's nothing compared to eternity. Life is still brief. And before we realize it, the curtain on the stage of life is pulled back. And before we realize it, life is over and we launch out into an endless eternity. It is appointed unto a man once to die. That's the reason we need to put our lives into focus. Maybe in the last few months you've had someone that you knew who died. In all probability, in the next few months, you will have someone that you know who may die. 
It's very possible that someone watching this telecast at this time will pass away within the next 12 months. It could even be your speaker. See, that's the way life is. Life is brief. If it were possible for us to go back to the time of Adam, and if we could see all of the people who have died from the time of Adam, they would be falling down and it would look like a waterfall. You see men live, they run their course in life, and then they die. Life, at its very best, is brief. It, J James says it's like a vapor that appears for a little time, and then it vanishes away. Uh, when I stop and I think about that, that makes me look at my priorities. And it makes me look at what I'm doing with my life. It, it, am I doing something to make life better? To make my life better and the lives of others better? It makes life worth living. It helps me to put it into focus. Now something else from this psalm that really helps us to put life into focus is this. In verse 12, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. I think there's several applications to be made out of that verse, but here's the one I want us to make. Make your time count. Make your time count. Use it wisely. As Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 5, redeem the time. For the days are evil. To redeem the time simply means to buy up the opportunity or use your time wisely. Make it count. Uh, you know, we can waste an awful lot of time. And we can waste time by excessive sleeping. We can waste time by doing things that have in them absolutely no redemptive element. I think about how much time people waste with a telephone, particularly a cell phone. Now, I'm thankful for the invention of the telephone. I'm thankful that I have access to one in my office here. I, I'm thankful that I have access to a cell phone. But, you know, I, I go to the grocery store sometime with my wife, and I witnessed this recently. Here's a mother who's out shopping for groceries for her family. Two teenage children following along behind her. They had their heads down. I don't really know how they knew where to go. You say, well, they must have been bowed down in sorrow. No, they weren't bowed down in sorrow. They were bowed down with a cell phone, each one of them. Each one of them had one in their hand. They was walking along, and they were texting every step of the way. And I just thought I would take opportunity to watch that. And for the longest, I don't know that they ever stopped doing that while they were in the store. Let me tell you, you don't have that much to tell somebody that you need to be texting while you're in the grocery store unless you're texting your mama or your wife what is it that you told me to come down here to get? Now, I have had to do that. I'd have to call my wife saying, Now, what did you send me to the store to pick up? I, I have already forgotten. But I just think about how much time our young people today 
are wasting, wasting their life using a telephone, a cell phone, texting. And it's almost to the point that they are addicted to them. I guess you could tell, I might could get on my soapbox a little about the use of this. It tells me they're not using their time to the very best advantage. And so we need to use our time wisely. This is the time, you see, right now, that I need to have my soul in a right relationship with God. This is the only life I have. If I waste it, I don't have another chance. I don't have a second opportunity to go back and say, well, you know, let, let me go back and let's try this again and I'll, I'll try to undo some of the things that I've done in my life. No, no, you can't do it that way. This is the shot. And I need to have my heart right in the sight of God by loving Him, by obeying Him, by doing His will. Don't you think it's time to get your life in focus? I want to encourage you to do one thing, just one thing. Focus on Jesus. If you will focus on Jesus, you will never regret it. You will never regret it. Focus your life on Him who is the way, the truth, and the life. Focus on the one who died for you on the cross of Calvary. Life really is not worth living without Jesus. It's worth living with Jesus because we can have the abundant life that he came in this world to give. John 10, verse 10. You can have that abundant life, get your life in focus, get on the right road, go in the right direction, and reach your destination by giving your life to Jesus today. He loves you, died for you, God loves you. There are people that will, are praying that, that people all over the world would give their lives to Jesus. Do it today by believing on Him, repenting of your sins, confessing your faith in Jesus, and being baptized. Jesus said, He that believeth, that is, believes in Him and believes the gospel, and is baptized, shall be saved. You can get your life in focus by obeying Jesus today. Now in the closing moments, I want to invite you to visit the Church of Christ in your community. And may I encourage you right now to pick up the telephone, call for the free Bible correspondence course. I'd like to emphasize it is free. We're not going to send you a bill. We're not asking for money. Call today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you, is my prayer. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 
1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bibles. <laughs>